Hello, and welcome to His Simple Truth Podcast. My name is Greg Mullins, and I am here with Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. We are super excited to be with you today. And being that this is the first podcast in our series, uh, we want to do a brief introduction of why we're doing the podcast series and also introduce ourselves a little bit. So just like this podcast states in its name, we're going to be studying life, basically, from the prospect of uh, the perspective of Christ's simple truths. Our motivation for doing these podcasts is to help others who, like us, are beginning to wake up and realize that there is more to life than just the daily grind. We now lovingly refer to this current temporal existence as the Matrix. The Matrix. <laughs> Uh, both Dice and I have unique backgrounds and experiences that we bring to the table. <clears throat> the purpose of these podcasts is not to give you some new great truth that's going to change your life. In fact, we lay no claim to anything we're about to share with you. All truth that, that we have comes from God, our eternal Father. Now, Tyson and I are just a couple of average guys that have beat our heads into the wall of the matrix for way too long now. And uh, basically, we finally got to a point where we were actually ready to start listening to and testing the things that the prophets have been telling us all along. So our hope is that through these truths that we have gathered and organized into these podcasts, we can help you, some of you save, uh, save yourselves from running into the walls that we run into and avoid some of the pitfalls. We also help to, uh, hope to help you tune out some of the noise of the daily grind uh, of this world and start to recognize who you really are and what your potential and your privileges are as a divine son or daughter of God. So to start out, I'm going to let Tyson introduce himself, and, uh, and then I'll introduce myself. All right. Um, yeah, like Greg said, we're super excited. All right, I am Tyson Thompson. Uh, first and foremost, I am a son of a loving Heavenly Father and a younger brother to Jesus Christ. I have the privilege of being a husband and a father. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 16 years, and she truly is a saint. She, as Elder Maxwell pointed out one time, is emblematic of a high-yield and low-maintenance woman of the Restoration. I'm the father of three children, uh, ten-year-old ten twins, Micah and Hallie, and then a little four-year-old girl named Piper. I've had the privilege of being a small business owner. Uh, I've got some college degrees, um, one of those in the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, I'm a member of the National Guard. I've been in the National Guard for 16 years. Um, I've had lots of opportunity and mentorship as well as being mentored by some very, very professional people. I also have had some opportunities to uh, be in leadership roles, both at the unit level and at the national level, holding a couple of positions in D.C. My experience in the National Guard has taken me all over the country and all over the world to include a tour in Afghanistan, and I'll talk more about that later in some of my experiences there. Uh, my early life, I, I uh, had a pretty rough upbringing and had some challenges, was abused, and I'll go more into those things later, which led to addiction and a period of inactivity. And uh, I also had some pretty deep misconceptions about the gospel. Um, and that's really, like Greg said, what's kind of led me to where I am. Um, and I just hope and pray sincerely that as we go through these podcasts that 
we're able to um, give the information that we're sharing in a concise way so that others can feel the spirit of what we have to share and and learn and grow from it. Awesome. So, like I said, my name is Greg Mullins, and I am also married to a beautiful woman who is absolutely the love of my life. And we have four beautiful children, uh, three boys, 18 to 12, and then our little girl finally came last, and she is our angel. Um, My family is absolutely everything to me. They're my motivation. They're what keeps me going from day to day. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast, as a matter of fact, just to give you a little background on me, I served an LAS mission out in the South Pacific in the Micronesian Islands, one of the coolest places on the planet. The people out there are the most kind-hearted, loving, happy people on the planet. You don't own anything out there. You'll wake up one morning and you're your pan's gone and you're like what the heck and a couple hours later one of the ladies will bring you back your pan with something cooked in it and (laughs) tell you thank you for letting you use the pan you just don't own anything out there it's really slow paced everybody's happy when i got back from my mission um it was quite the difference yeah coming back to the fast-paced world here in, in the united states and it, it really actually got to me. I got pretty bummed out. I wanted to go back really bad, but knew I had to get started. So I jumped into a job. My first job was sales. My first year, I made over $100,000 in the sales world and was hooked. Um, the The money was awesome, and the recognition of being a top sales guy was something that um, got me going in the morning and something I got excited about. And I... Uh, Long story short, a couple different businesses, some that failed, some that went well. Um, I finally opened a business that succeeded well in, um, became a multi-million dollar business. And, uh, you know, through those years uh, working for the different companies, I've been through every sales training that's known to man. Um, I know all of the the ins and outs of the, the sales world and... Um, had a vision board, you know, one of the, the things you learn about. And one day I was looking at that vision board and I realized I had everything on it. I had the house I wanted, the cars I wanted, um, even the dog I wanted. And one day I was sitting out on the back patio and looking out over all these toys and things that I had and thought to myself, okay, now what's next? Um, and in that moment, the Lord smacked me upside the head and helped me realize that those things that I'd been seeking all of that time were not important. And um, everything that I had built crumbled in the, in the financial collapse, lost everything that we had, and the Lord humbled me and, and sent me on to a new path. Um, started training and mentoring, helping other people avoid the pitfalls that I had been through, and became a certified mentor and a certified trainer. Yeah, but then an opportunity came up to jump back in the sales world, so we went out to California um, and, again, got caught up in that grind. And, again, the Lord smacked me, <laughs> took it away, helped me understand what was important, and uh, we ended up here in northern Idaho. Um, again, you know, I, I kind of got caught up in the, the grind of sales. That's what I've known my whole life. But knowing that I wanted to teach people and help people, and that's what my real passion is, um, and that's 
one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. About a year ago, I was um, at work doing sales, and I was pretty bummed out. You know, I was I was sick of the sales world. I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted to move on. <clears throat> and I had this experience that I wrote down in my journal that I wanted to share with you and just kind of kick off this podcast. Uh, it reads like this. So my heart was heavy today, and my mind was clouded with doubt. I felt a heavy oppression all morning trying to work. I felt like I needed to go to the mountain and speak with the Lord. I decided on a trail that I had never been on that was close to where I was working. I looked at an app, I looked it up on an app called All Trails. It's a cool app that shows you all of the trails around you. It also has comments from other hikers that have already been up the trail, as well as good maps showing the way. This particular trail ends in a spring-fed waterfall. It was a pretty decent difficult hike and difficulty hike-wise. When I got almost to the top, I met two older ladies, probably in their late 60s, very worldly-looking, I would even say snooty. As soon as the first one saw me, she said, I hope you've not come up here to see a beautiful gushing waterfall because you're about to be disappointed. She said, we almost missed it because it's a dirty, stagnant puddle. I was a little bummed because it was hot and I had brought minimal water with me. I was planning on filling up at the spring. According to my GPS, I still had about a half a mile to go to where the waterfall was. I decided to finish the hike anyway. As I came upon the spot the two women had told me about, it was indeed disappointing. I thought to myself, even if the water was was flowing, how could they call this a waterfall? I looked down at my GPS to see how long it took me to get there, and I discovered that I still had a quarter mile to go, according to those who had been to the waterfall before. So I soldiered on, and pretty soon I came around a bend that dropped into a beautiful valley with an amazing waterfall. It felt so good to cool off in that cold water. I filled my bottle and drank freely. The water was cold and sweet. I sat by that beautiful creation for some time, pondering and praying about the things I was feeling and the doubt, doubtfulness and heaviness. All of a sudden, a beautiful parable that you have probably already begun to realize was unfolded before my spiritual eyes. Though we have not yet become the person we feel deep inside we can be, though we have not yet gotten to the place we want to be, we must trust those who have already traveled the path we are on. Many will stop just short of the prize, lament the stagnant pool, and turn back disappointed. The GPS is the Spirit of God directing our footsteps. We must trust in its guiding power, power to lead us past the naysayers who have given up. If we are true and faithful to its guidance, it will lead us to the sweet, pure, living water that flows from our Savior. As that parable came into my mind and I really recognized where I was at, the Lord let me see that I was just around the bend from the prize and that I needed to keep going. Now, the purpose for these podcasts is the Lord has shown us some things. He's helped us to better understand some of the doctrines that have absolutely opened up our lives and changed the way we look at um, look at life. And we're going to get deep into that throughout these podcasts. Um, but right now I want you to just kind of picture the pre-mortal existence. 
Um, a lot of times we get stuck in the day-to-day grind and we forget who we are and where we came from. Um, I can picture all of us, every one of you that's listening to this podcast, Tyson and I standing in the pre-mortal council with our Heavenly Father. The time period that we've been brought down to this earth is unique. Um, Our prophet has been telling us over and over again that these are the last hours of the last days and that God saved his very elect to come to the earth. That's you. And that's us. And we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. Um, And we're going to get deep into that in some of the other podcasts. But um, I'm going to let Tyson kind of talk to you a little bit about uh, who we are and why we're here. All right. I really like that story. Um, Your experience up there at the waterfall is awesome. Someday we need to go on that hike. (laughs) Um, Well... I think that it's important for all of us to take stock of our spiritual journey, to kind of look back over our lives a little bit and, and see our journey for what it is. Um, so if you haven't done that recently, you know, I would encourage you to take the time to sit and ponder your life and see where it's leading you. Um, but our heavenly father's love for us, uh, I don't think we can fathom. Um, and I don't think we can understand it easily, but I think one one way we can do that is through the scriptures and through the words of the living prophets. Um, <clears throat> President Spencer W. Kimball in 1978 said, Let there be no question in your mind about your value as an individual. The whole intent of the gospel plan is to provide you an opportunity to reach your fullest potential, which is eternal progression and the possibility of godhood. And then Elder Harold B. Lee in October of 1973 said, I recall the prayer of an old English weaver. Oh God, help me hold a high opinion of myself. That prayer should be the prayer of every soul, not an abnormally overdeveloped self-esteem that becomes inclined to haughtiness, conceit, or arrogance, but a righteous self-respect that might be defined as belief in one's own worth, worth to God, and worth to man. What a difference it would make if we would really sense our divine relationship to God, our Heavenly Father, and our relationship to Jesus Christ, our Savior and older brother, and our relationship to each other. So, Greg, I, I kind of wrote this down um, and going to surprise you with a question here, but how would you describe um, your journey in your relationship with your Heavenly Father um, and where you are now? Good question. So, you know, growing up in the church, I was born and raised a member of the church, and um, as I thought about my Heavenly Father, I pictured a majestic being that was greater than all of us, um, you know, that sat on his throne and directed things. (laughs) And uh, we were... In my mind, we were his servants. We were, um, you know, I, I actually kind of thought of it as like a pyramid scheme, right? Like here's God at the top, and then we're under him, or I'm under my parents, or whatever. <laughs> and never could see the progression to become one with my Father in heaven, and especially with my Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, my relationship to the Savior was I felt guilty every time I did something wrong because I 
felt guilty for causing him pain for my own mistakes. That, that's pretty common. <laughs> you know, and yeah, the journey has taken to me a point where I now recognize my Heavenly Father as my Father in Heaven. And being a father myself, I know that there's no chance that I would ever try and make my sons be less than me or stay lower station than me. In fact, if anything, I want them to be better than me, greater than me, and progress further than I have. And I know that our Heavenly Father feels the same about us. And I now understand that Jesus Christ already paid for my sins. It's finished and complete. And there's no need to feel guilty when I mess up because he knew I was going to mess up. He was planning on that happening. And it just brings me great peace to know that I have those two in my corner cheering me on, wanting me to get back to live with them again. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, guilt can be something that that triggers us to turn to the Lord, but that's not a place he wants us to stay forever. And and I think a lot of people, myself included, have been in the trap where we just feel stuck and we feel guilty and we don't know how to get out of that. And I would just echo your sentiments that for a long time I grew up misunderstanding some very basic doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ and misunderstanding and not even understanding what grace was. You know, I grew up in the church where it seemed like, you know, I wasn't checking boxes um, fast enough and well enough to ever measure up. And like I said, because of things that had happened to me early life, I, I kind of punched and uh, took some time and was inactive in the church and went out into the world and then came back and um, got to understand repentance a little better and understand the gospel, but still didn't have the connection and the relationship with the Savior that that he wanted me to and that I wanted deep down but didn't know how to how to find and it's only been over the last couple of years that I've learned what you said which is you know that he's already paid for the mistakes and challenges that I have in my life and so me holding on to those and staying in a in a situation where I'm feeling guilty or worthless is not anywhere where he wants me to be he wants me to get up and run you shared a story and I think you'll share it later but you know, he just wants us to get up and go and, and not stay down and stay and stay stagnant or hurt. So I absolutely agree with you. Right on. So, so real quick, I want to kind of paint a picture for you. Um, one of my favorite teachers on the topic of grace is Brad Wilcox. Yeah, he has an amazing talk called His Grace is Sufficient that you can look up on BYU speeches. And one of the stories that he shares in there is um, of a, a small child, an infinite toddler that's learning to walk. And he said, if you have your toddler and he, st- he stands up and takes a couple steps and then stumbles and falls on his face, do you run over there and say, what are you doing Why did you fall on your face? Get up. Of course you don't. You're going to rejoice in the fact that your child just stood up and took a few steps. In fact, you're probably going to video record it and throw it up on Facebook and tell everybody about it. And the reality is that's exactly how our Heavenly Father feels about us. When he sees us take a few steps and stumble, it's not a, oh my gosh, 
Greg, you're an idiot. You did it again. Well, uh, you, well, go ahead. (laughs) I was going to call you an idiot, but that's not very nice. I'm an idiot. Oh, man. You know, I just picture the Savior when you stumble and you fall on your face, standing there with a hand down saying, come on, get up. It's time to go. Absolutely. Like, let's get up and keep trying. He's not there saying, okay, you stumbled. Now sit there for two days and pout about it and decide you're never going to do it again and then get up and try again. He already knew you were going to fall on your face. And so he's standing there like, okay, do you accept my atonement? Because that's already paid for. Get up and let's keep going. Try again. They want us to progress and get back to them. Um, in fact, all we're doing on this earth is, is learning heaven. We're trying to learn how to be one with our Heavenly Father. Um, another story that he shares in there is about a, a, a youth um, that was troubled, that was getting and doing some things he shouldn't be doing. And Brad Wilcox was his young men's president. And he had worked with the um, young, the uh, EFY program, and he felt that if they could get this boy to EFY, that that would fix him, right? So he goes to the dad and says, hey, we need to get your boy to EFY. This is what's going to help him. And they were both broke. No one had any money, so they borrowed some money from Brad's mom. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Got the kid to EFY. And after the first day of being there, they get a phone call from this boy, and he says, get me out of here. I don't want to be here. And the reason why he felt that way is because what he was learning and what he was feeling at EFY was so foreign to where he was at and the things he was doing that he didn't even want to be there. Um, And for us, as we progress in this life, it's the same thing for us. We're practicing to be one with Jesus Christ to feel as he would feel, to see as he would see, and to do as he would do, so that when it is time for him to come back and he's standing in front of us, we want to be in his presence. We're not bowing our head in shame and turning away because we haven't even practiced to be like he is. And that's really the whole, um, just understanding those concepts for me about my Savior absolutely changed the game. As soon as I realized that this wasn't about guilt, but it was about trying and trying again and just getting up every time you fall, shake it off, ask for forgiveness, and keep moving forward. Um, absolutely changed the game for me. I agree. <clears throat> I was uh, thinking about this last general conference, and Elder Lenji Robbins gave a talk called 70 times seven. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it's very powerful. Um, but in that talk, he talked about how the atonement of Jesus Christ, right. And our ability to repent was not the savior's backup plan in case we failed. It was his plan knowing we would fail. And I think that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, in the church growing up, it was like, well, you got to check these boxes and be perfect. And, 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 and it, maybe it wasn't taught that way. Um, but it certainly felt that way. And, and probably I was, it's a combination, you know, of things, but I, I now realize how false that is. So I agree. Absolutely. 
All right, so we kind of want to kick off a, a, another topic here, and this is cru- crucial. Uh, this is something that that to me has been life changing when I realized this principle and then began to apply it. So there's two ways we can look at life. We can look at things uh, from a temporal focus, and we can look at things um, in a spiritual focus. Um, and a temporal focus would be the world we're living in, right? Um, a, a mentor of mine said at one point that uh, that he never met anybody who needed to be more temporally focused, right? Because, I mean, you wake up in the morning, the baby's crying, the, you know, the dog's barking, the, you know, we're in the temporal world. So we definitely, um, we have to learn how to be, you know, to be spiritually focused in a temporal world. And so there's two ways we can look at things. Let me kind of give you a a rundown of what temporally centered or temporally focused means. So these are some things that you might think, feel, or or say. So a temporally focused person would say, life is not fair. I'm not sure if I'll qualify for the celestial kingdom. I don't have enough time to get all these things done. I'm overwhelmed. I feel pressure. I'm not sure when the Holy Ghost is with me. I rely on others to make me feel of worth. I feel like a taxi cab driver. My life is not mine. I only enjoy the weekend. I don't feel forgiven. Those are kind of some things that someone might think if they were temporally centered. And somebody who's spiritually centered, conversely, would say things like, I feel close to Heavenly Father. I have great hope to be raised to eternal life. I receive more revelation. What I do each day is now worthwhile. I have less stress. When my children make mistakes, I can handle it. My feelings of self-worth have increased a hundredfold. I feel free. I am able to get all things done, and I enjoy the day. Yeah, this concept of temporal versus spiritual focus is absolutely critical to understand. If you go through your day temporally focused, um, every time there's a problem, every time something comes up that's wrong, it's going to throw you off because temporal focus allows darkness to enter into us um, and takes light from us. Whereas being spiritually focused, you know, if if something goes wrong, let's say a guy cuts you off and uh, almost runs you off the road if you're temporally focused you're ticked off you're angry you're telling him he's number one in an inappropriate <laughs> way <laughs> try to jump out of the car and beat him up whatever it is that's a temporal focus a spiritual focus would be like it allows you to immediately turn to the savior and say lord um, i'm grateful for this opportunity to let you take that from me and not have it affect me i've actually not always good at it, but I've actually had a spiritual experience when being cut off in traffic because for that brief moment, when I went to prayer, I felt the savior's love for that person who was driving fast. And I actually prayed for them and their safe return home and that they wouldn't hurt anyone else in the process. And and it was a spiritual experience versus a temporal experience where I, my hackles got up, my heart rate went up and I was ready to punch somebody in the head. I can promise you this. It's not an easy concept initially. No. It doesn't matter what it is, though. It doesn't matter if it's with your kids. It doesn't matter with people at work, whatever it is. If when those things that would normally get under your skin, you can turn to the Savior in that moment. Um, Maybe it's a bill that's come due that you don't have the money to pay for it. 
um, being able to turn to the Savior and say, Lord, that I'm turning this over to you because I don't know what to do with it. Um, but being that spiritually focused absolutely changes the game for you. So with that, um, there's some some indicators on kind of where our focus is. Um, we can either have high performance or poor performance um, in our lives. And if those bring us feelings of worth, either high performance or poor performance, we have a temporal focus. So what's some examples of poor some examples of poor performance um, when you were growing up and you got a bad report card or your boss come, calls you in his office and chews you out about a mistake that you made at work. Um, those can bring feelings of, of low self-worth, um, but there's only one place we should get our feelings of worth, right? Yeah. So what about if I, the, the flip side of that, you know, I get a good report card. And I go home and my mom pats me on the back. My feeling of self-worth is coming from me getting some praise from my mom, right? Or, you know, I, for me, I make a big sale at work and I post it on my group chat and everybody's like, hey, good job, good job. And all of a sudden I feel better about myself because everybody gave me a attaboy. <laughs> so both of those instances are feeling of worth is coming from somebody other than the Savior. Right, or something. Um, others' opinions can be a big one, right? Somebody doesn't have a good opinion of you, then you feel worthless about yourself. Or somebody praises you and thinks you're great, then you feel good about yourself. Um, bills and lack of money or having lots of money, you know, and having lots of things can make people feel of greater worth um, than other people. Um, and you see how when we talk about these things, you know, and even honors and callings and stuff like that, you're like a, a, a vessel being driven with the wind and tossed, as the scriptures talk about, right? Like, because you're not stable. You have these highs and these lows. Um, and what we want to talk about is, is how to stay more even keeled. So how do you do that, Greg? Well, the reality is you, you've got to learn where, you're, where to receive worth from. For a lot of people on this planet right now, Worth comes from how they look, how they feel, what they can do, what they can't do. Um, but we have to get to a point where we see our worth as Christ sees it. Um, I love this quote. This is from a gentleman named uh, Jim Cox. Um, has some amazing material that I highly encourage you to look into. He says, We are sons and daughters of God, born and reared in courts of glory by heavenly parents, we were never sent to this earth to prove our worth, but to determine the kingdom in which we're going to spend eternity. So you're, you're trying to tell me that my worth doesn't have anything to do with how much money is in my bank account or what kind of car I drive or, you know, or how big my house is or how good my kids are or that all my kids went on missions or that all my kids are active in the church or that all, you know, it, my worth according to Heavenly Father and what you just read, doesn't have anything to do with that? Picture this. Picture, picture being in a, a situation where you're pretty down on yourself because you don't have enough money and your kids are being knuckleheads and your car just broke down. And You're, you're describing my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. And then instead of listening to all the voices tell you how, how you're not good enough, 
Instead, you go inside and you listen to your heart and you listen to your mind and you ask your Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, am I okay? And the Spirit says, Tyson, shh, I got this. You're good. Absolutely. Um, that That's a concept, actually, that I've learned from Greg, and that's we kind of termed it as checking in with the Lord. Um, when those when that hailstorm of life is beating you and believe me this isn't this program is not the answer right this this immaterial we're laying out doesn't mean you're not going to still get worked over cuz that's life right like Greg and I have been worked over like four or five times already today um but it's how we react to it and and what we do is we we turn to the father and we check in that's the term that Greg kind of coined just check in with the lord and when we check in with him it's amazing he he sends his love right away i mean it's just immediate and we can feel it. You know, I'm feeling it right now. I know that right now, Greg and I are doing what the Lord wants us to be doing with our lives. And we can have that while we're recording a podcast or when I'm out underneath my car fixing the starter for the fourth time in a year. You know what I mean? Like it's, it can be a spiritual growth experience either way. Absolutely. We have to get to a point where we can take, um, as a spiritually focused being, the reason why we do anything we do it on this planet is to glorify our Father in heaven. So when we when we go to work, you know, for me, most of the majority of my life going to work was to be the best. I wanted to be the top sales guy. I wanted to be making the most money. I wanted to be the best performer uh, so that I could get praise and accolades for it. I've since learned that there's a different way to do it, that... We can do our performances, our stewardships, if you will, in the name of Jesus Christ and for the glory of our Father in heaven. And instead of taking praise upon ourselves because we did well, our good performances, we can turn that over to the Heavenly Father and say, you know, this is yours because of what you've given me. Wow, that's that's an interesting concept because... And I'm I'm being a little you know a, a little I'm joshing here a little bit, but at the same time, that's exactly what the Savior taught us through His example, right? Like He never took credit for anything He did, and He completed the greatest acts that have ever you know been done in His life to include His marvelous atonement. He never took credit, and He always said, "There's none good but the Father." And so you're saying just like a title of this podcast series is, is his simple truth, right? Is that we shouldn't get our worth from our performance at all. We, we be, and the way to unhook ourselves from that is by doing it for the father and we'll stay humble in the process. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. Isn't it crazy how I, I love the title, his simple truth. Cause as we go through this podcast, you're going to be like, we are smacking ourselves in the head like, you dummy. Why didn't you figure that out 30 years ago? It's like right there. The Savior taught you how to do it. Um, just to kind of finish that off, I think it's really important to just reemphasize that when we have poor performance, you cannot let that pull you down. You can't let it be a negative that causes you to go into darkness. The whole purpose of this life is to gain light. And we only gain light when we're standing in the Savior's light because that's where all light comes from. So when you stumble and fall and you do something stupid, look up at your Savior who's standing there saying, yep, guess what? I knew that was going to (laughs) happen. It's already done, buddy. 
let's get up and keep going, keep trying. And that's absolutely critical to understand. Okay, so one of the last things we want to talk about as we're running out of time here is um, something that we coined as the traditions of the church. Um, and very interesting to me is that um, President Nelson is currently up in Canada, and you all know already that he has asked the church to stop calling itself the Mormon church or an LDS church, and he wants us to go back to what Christ simply called <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when he made that announcement, there was a, a little part of his quote that I picked up on, and this is what it says. It says, We have worked before us to bring ourselves into harmony with his will, speaking of Christ. Yeah. And then in another conference, or another uh, meeting that he had up there in Canada, he says, he said, we know it's going to be a challenge to undo tradition of more than a hundred years. Um, I think it's amazing that the, the prophet is coming out and helping us recognize that there are traditions that have been built up over time that are not doctrine. You know, home teaching, box checking being one of them. You know, I was to a point probably shouldn't admit this, where I didn't want to do my home teaching anymore because I didn't want to check boxes. But at the same time, I love to go out and minister to people when they needed help. And when he blew the doors off that tradition, I literally jumped up in my living room. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Well, that was pretty awesome. I was doing the same thing in the basement of my aunt's house. <laughs> um, you know, one of the traditions... We're going to go through a bunch of them throughout these podcasts, but one that's absolutely critical to understand is um, the opposition that we're up against. So one of the things that one of the things that's happened in the church, uh, for me at least, growing up, the subject of Satan was very taboo. We didn't speak of Satan because that brought Satan to you, um, and so he wasn't talked about it. <clears throat> he wasn't talked about at all, and. Um, what I've come to realize over the last five, six years is how critically important it is that we understand who Lucifer is, who Satan is, and what his goal is, that he is a real living person that is after us. And we've got some awesome scriptures that we're going to share with you and kind of bring this into the light. This is absolutely critical that we understand um, what we're up against. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just briefly want to touch on uh, that I was, you know, in the National Guard. I've, I've studied warfare. Um, I've been to battle. Um, and I, I kind of know um, from a, it's interesting too, the Book of Mormon's full of war chapters, right? Why? You know, and I think it all comes back down to this. We're at war. You know, the war in heaven didn't end. It continues. And Satan's biggest he, and when we look out in the world, we can see evidence of him. If you pull up Fox News, you can see every headline's got his his name stamped at the bottom of it, right? But and not just Fox News, every news outlet. <laughs> but um, but if you see things with your spiritual eyes in the church, I think people think sometimes I've been guilty of it. We feel like we're insulated, right? Like, oh well, Satan doesn't have influence in my life because I'm not living in the world. When reality is, if you go to the Father and ask Him, 
where do I, where does Satan have influence in my life? He'll show you. And it's, it's a little frightening actually. Um, but it's also awesome because he'll help you turn that around. So this scripture in second Nephi chapter 28, verse 22 is, is perfect. This is where Satan is at. I think with members of the church, particularly members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints (laughs) and behold, Others he flattereth away, and telleth them there is no hell. And he saith unto them, I am no devil, for there is none. And thus he whispereth in their ears, until he grasps them with his awful chains, from whence there is no deliverance. Holy cow, listen to what that scripture is telling us. Satan, is his game plan is to disguise himself. There's no, there's no devil. There's no, I'm not here. I'm just this fantasy thing. We see it in all the movies and everything. He just kind of tries to take himself out of the picture. Like, it's okay. Just be who you want to be. Be who you feel like you're supposed to be. Do what you want to do. Check the boxes in the church, right? Like, check all the boxes, and then then Satan can't affect you, right? Like, I'm not doing all the do nots, and I'm not, and I'm doing all the thou shouts. But in between the lines is, man, sister so-and-so really ticked me off the other day, or can't believe our elders quorum asked me to do blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's the adversary in our lives. We don't recognize it as that as easily as we should, but that's reality. And and that's where he loves to live, particularly with those of us who are pseudo aware of, of him. Absolutely. So another scripture, um, is doctrine and covenants one twenty three verses 13 and 14. Actually, let me let me do uh, seventy six first. Doctrine and Covenants seventy six, twenty eight and twenty nine. Wherefore he maketh war with the saints. There's that war word, and encompasseth, encompasseth them round about. And I skipped twenty eight. <laughs> um, okay, let me read twenty eight and twenty nine again. That's the great thing about podcasts. We're live. So this is, this is how we roll. <laughs> and while we were yet in the spirit, the Lord commanded us that we should write the vision for we beheld Satan, that old serpent, even the devil who rebelled against God and sought to take away the kingdom of our God and his Christ. Wherefore he maketh war with the saints of God and encompasseth them round about. Man, can you, can you imagine if, a vision opened up and we could see Satan's host arrayed against us. Um, You know, we look at the world today and we know that a third of the hosts of heaven fell with Lucifer, whatever that means, right? In 2 Nephi, we also learned that everybody who's left this planet um, in sin is now in Lucifer's power and he gets to use them as well. And then we look at the world at how few people are striving to become saints, become one with Christ. And those people who are off doing their own thing that have already accepted darkness and and like being there, very few of Satan's hosts are with them, keeping them in check. So the rest of that army that Lucifer has gathered together is arrayed against those of us who are trying. And that's Tyson said earlier, it's a little frightening. Can you imagine if your vision was open and you could see a host of Lucifer's army standing around you trying to break you down? Um, But at the same time, if we know that, we've been promised to have weapons of light given to us. Our prophet is 
begging us to pick up the weapons of light that are our privilege as his sons and daughters to wield against this host. And the amazing thing is they have zero power once we recognize who they are and shut them down. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like the, the prophet actually is like a one man recruiting station. I come back to my military roots again and he's like standing up, pounding the pulpit, like get in the fight. You know, I can't tell you how many times in training, right? That we in the military, we have a weapon system go down, and and as the as the squad leader, right, or the you know the fire team leader, you're yelling at that guy whose weapon system isn't up. Particularly if it's one of your heavy weapon systems, like get that thing in the fight. You know, <laughs> sometimes guys are using more colorful language than that, but that's the prophet right now. He's like, will you please stand up with your priesthood and get in the fight? I mean, that's where we're at. That's the opposition we're facing. I think that uh, that this scripture is really emblematic of, of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, this last scripture, Doctrine and Covenants 123, verses 13 and 14. Therefore, we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden dark things of darkness, wherein we know them, and they are truly manifest from heaven. These should be, should, excuse me, these should then be attended to with great earnestness. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of watching my brothers and sisters get taken down by Lucifer. Like, I'm watching what's happening on the planet right now, and every day it seems like we hear about one more person that's left the church, or one more person that's started using drugs, or one more person that's gone into depression, or they're having anxiety, and I am sick and tired of it. Like, that scripture right there tells us that our mission should be to bring that darkness into the light. And the amazing thing is when we bring it into the light, it's eradicated. It cannot stand in the light. Absolutely. We're told that we should waste and wear out our lives. I mean, that's pretty descriptive language. I mean, that's that's mortal combat language. <laughs> that's like, hey, at all costs. And the military and at all costs mission is you give your very life if you need to, to accomplish what it is, the goal, or you die trying. And that's what the Lord is asking us to do here. I can't wait. In some of the later podcasts, we're going to get into detail of how to fight against Satan. And Tyson and I have had some unique experiences fighting, literally fighting the adversary. Um, People who we love and care about invite us to their homes to help them with issues they have with dark spirits. It's a literal, real battle, and most people don't even realize that they're getting hammered on a regular basis. Um, This life is exciting. We're here right now at this time on the planet when God is going to give more power and more light to his saints than he has at any other time on the planet. Um, In this in our next podcast, you know, we're going to talk about what our missions are, why we're here on the earth right now. We're going to go into detail about that. We're going to talk about you know, how we can learn to, to feel the, the Holy Ghost on a regular basis and understand the messages that he's sending to us, how to receive that personal revelation, which is such a huge piece that President Nelson's trying to teach us right now. We're going to learn how to see things spiritually to live in that spiritual focus rather than the temporal focus and really kick the doors off the tradition of box checking.
Bye-bye, boxes. <laughs> Throughout these podcasts, Matt, I wish we could just get into all of the different things, but the whole focus that we have right now is President Nelson has asked us to stand up. Literally, in conference, he told us, brethren, stand up. One quorum at a time, he had to stand up. And then a few weeks later, he took our, our youth and he organized them into a battalion, into God's army. Like, it is literally time to put off the telestial world, the terrestrial existence, the telestial existence, and get prepared for that terrestrial world. The Savior is preparing to return, and he's, he's commanding us to stand up and, and prepare the world for that. I absolutely agree. Um, I'm excited. Um, Greg and I, I've, I've been like a school kid, like we're working through technical difficulties today, trying to get this podcast launched today. And I was just over here. He's looking at me like, will you chill out? Like had to go for walks and, you know, just because this is exciting. This is, this is a calling for us. Um, and, and we're so excited to, to hear feedback and to hear your story about how you're battling and how you're winning your battles. And, and we just hope we can be part of that journey. Absolutely. Last, then we'll get out of here. I just want to testify that Jesus is the Christ and that he loves you. Every single one of you that's listening to this podcast, your Savior loves you more than you can even comprehend. And he's begging to be a part of your life. He wants to be a part of us. He wants to help us. He wants to lead us and guide us. And it's not complicated. It's very, very, very simple. And that's that's the whole point of these podcasts is to get those simple truths out. And as you learn something, teach somebody else. Keep moving this forward and let's create a movement and really get out there and get done what needs to be done so that we can bring our Savior back. Love you guys. Look forward to our next podcast. We should have it out shortly. And, and like Tyson said, feel free to comment on the podcast and let us know what you think and give us some feedback. And God be with you. Tell me, meet again. <laughs>